We've talked about the big picture, what's required. We've talked about how do you make money. And now we're going to talk about technology and technology needs uh, to make this a reality. Breaking news, Genesis just halted uh, withdrawals on the lending platform. This is, uh, just works. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, welcome. My name is Robin Friedman. I have the honor of being the moderator on this panel today. Um, today's discussion is the tech for institutional grade digital assets. Um, as you can hear from the last few talks, interestingly, this comes at a very prescient time. And, um, and yeah, for me, it brings up pertinent questions around trust and transparency and also the trade-off with liquidity and what that could mean for digital infrastructure. So today's panel, I'm going to be focusing a lot around what interoperability means, whether it's from process or from cross-chain. Um, but before, before we do that, I'm going to introduce myself and allow the panelists to introduce themselves and then we can get started. So as I mentioned, I'm, my name's Robin. I head up blockchain and digital assets at Namura. Um, We've been focused on crypto and the digital asset space for many years. We started out with a JV um, on a digital asset custodian called Kamainu, uh, which is a JV between CoinShares, the digital, a digital asset manager, Ledger, HSM device, and ourselves. We've got a BTC settlement network, JV, in Japan called um, Crypto Garage, and another issuance JV called Boostry. And most recently, we've um, just set up a new digital asset company called Laser Digital focused on trading, asset management, and ventures. And so we've come very much looking from the crypto space, and now we're looking also deeply at the digital infrastructure space. So I'm very excited to, to, to moderate this panel, and I'll pass on to my fellow participants to introduce themselves. Yeah, many thanks, uh, Robin. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, my name is Adonis. Just flew in this morning from Zurich on a short notice to uh, to participate in this panel. Um, I am a product manager at State Suite, where I'm currently working on our upcoming institutional grade uh, custody product, which you might have heard of. Um, and yeah, prior to that, I was uh, I was a strategy consultant uh, out of based out of Zurich and Luxembourg as well, basically working a lot on, around CBDCs and uh, DeFi for the last, I would say approximately three years. Uh, thank you. My name is Gonzalo Lima. I'm part of the R3 team. I'm, I'm uh, the, on the capital markets uh, strategy team. Uh, prior to that, I was at Standard Chartered. I was uh, an FX and Red COO. And I'm happy to be here to conclude that uh, tech is ready. It's uh, the governance that needs to step up. Hi, I'm Toby Gilbert. I'm the CEO and co-founder of CoinWeb and also of OnRamp. Uh, CoinWeb is a layer two cross-computation platform. Uh, we enable projects, institutions, uh, corporates to build on top of us and take advantage of multiple blockchains that we sit on top of. We also operate no less than seven digital asset licenses and consents all around the world and handle fiat on and off ramping in and out of digital assets. Okay, thank you guys. So just to start off light, from an from a infrastructure tech perspective, do you each want to highlight a very interesting use case or business cases that you're looking at and that you're building out tech to support that? Adonis, would you like yep, to? Yep, um, sure. So, well, as I said, I'm working on the custody product at State Street. Um, well, for us, it's, uh, well, my role specifically is all about basically making the user experience, which are going to be, well, institutions, 
uh, as seamless as possible. Uh, if you want to get adoption ongoing in this space, um, it starts by basically acknowledging that not all the firms out there, especially the ones that are not digital asset native, have the capacity in-house to lecture and to educate um, their own colleagues on how exactly all of this works. And so um, we very much focus on basically abstracting pretty much all the complexity that you might have as a, as a, as a neophyt, basically, on uh, using our custody product. Now that, while doing that, we also keep in mind that we will most likely have very knowledgeable and very digital asset affine um, institutions that are going to join our, our uh, solution. And thus, we keep the options, obviously, to have a very simplified, very complex complexity abstracted version. And on the other hand, you also have, uh, you still need to keep basically the tech uh, and the UI and the user experience um, to allow possibilities to play around with more complex uh, features. I can give you an example of that. It's basically when we talk about gas fees. Now, many of our clients that don't have any digital asset native capabilities in-house, uh, lecturing them on what gas fees are, how exactly that works, the volatility around that, especially when you're talking about Ethereum, is quite complex. So um, the idea that we have is that we try to remove all that complexity by keeping choices when making a transaction as simple as possible. But on the other hand, if you're very affine and you know what you're doing and you have your own internal in-house capacity to estimate gas fees in the upcoming blocks and so on and so forth, we allow you to basically play around with that and just go very deep into, uh, into the matter. So for us, it very much is about building a custody solution um, that is very much personalized to all the needs that we have out there um, in the market right now. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you for that. Gas fees is, uh, is an interesting topic. Corda doesn't have gas fees. Corda is our uh, main technology and uh, of course we are true believers of interoperability. Um, and your question, Robin, was um, the, what uh, projects excite us. Over the last two days we heard a lot of projects um, and um, SDX is uh, one that we are very proud of. DTCC, of course, uh, Project ION and others are uh, projects that are now um, live, uh, so we are really, really proud of that. And then Wells Fargo Coin is also built on Corda. So we have a myriad of, uh, of things happening, including CPDCs. So um, being a private permission blockchain uh, or DLT, um, central bankers and a few others uh, like the characteristics of a private permission. And I know that uh, we will have a divergent view and I'm looking forward to work with you. Uh, and I, I think, um, just briefly, uh, I think the way we see uh, going forward is that for the industry to grow, we need to collaborate and do a lot of partnerships together. Uh, we don't need to build everything from scratch. And um, there's uh, very good people doing intertradability solutions. You might know who I'm talking about. Um, I'm not saying your name, Anthony. Um, the, so so there's, a, there's a lot of collaboration to be made uh, and the, the industry needs to be um, serious and uh, I think we in this room we all are um, and we need to know which projects to back uh, the, and uh, and work together thank you um, I'm gonna drag you a little bit upstream from here I've, I've heard a lot about custody over the past 48 hours uh, and which is very interesting um, but what we're involved in is actually trying to come up with some asset classes that uh, you can take custody of because there's probably a lack of that. So we get involved with large corporate businesses uh, and we they, they think they want to be in the space, but they have absolutely no clue about what it is they want to do 
Um, so they just have FOMO. And so we help them sit down in a workshop. We help them design uh, how we can tokenize. Uh, uh, it could be an asset or giving them greater customer engagement via a loyalty token. Uh, I've done this for BMW for the past 18 months with their blockchain partner. Uh, they really had very little clue of what they wanted. We held their hand, we formed it for them, and then we helped them build their product. And, and what that looks like is wallets, uh, covering them with licenses, plugging in fiat on-ramping and off-ramping, um, designing and issuing loyalty tokens for them, which then can be converted into NFTs along a roadmap, and then explaining what the trade-offs between different chains are, and then implementing a routing system so that if you design and issue a token, then you can actually monitor the KPIs of the underlying public chains we're talking about now, and you can route transactions. So if gas fees spike, or there's an outage, Solana's had nine this year, um, or there is a network speed failure, then you can route the transactions between the different chains, delivering on continuity of service to the end user, which is something that's pretty unheard of when you're dealing with public chains today. Uh, and lastly, we also abstract away gas fees. So if you go and build on top of Polygon directly, uh, you have to hold a balance of their native token as well as the token that you are issuing. I just need to let that sink in for a minute. If you're trying to sell that through to an end retail customer, if that was my mother, she would have absolutely no idea uh, that what the gas fee well, so we abstract all of that away, so you only have to issue one branded token, and you only hold a balance of that token, and we try and simplify the entire process, making it usable and friendly. Thank you very much. Um, as you can hear, there's very diverse perspectives and, and areas of focus in this panel. Um, and I would really like to draw our, our attention now into what I brought up, brought up in the beginning, interoperability. Um, you know, what does interoperability mean? We can all go through this, it's whether it's across between, you know, across private chains versus public chains. There, in, in, the, in the private permission space, you have, you know, KYC and stakeholders known, but they end up being siloed, less liquidity. In the public space, we have much more liquidity, but no one's really solved the KYC. You know, then we've got interoperability between DeFi and CeFi, and how does that work? So I'd like to start off with Adonis, like to ask questions around um, State Street. We, we spoke about Clearloop and your, your ability to, to work with centralized exchanges and what that means from a custodian perspective and what, what interoperability and the tech infrastructure to support that could mean. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll briefly touch on Clearloop. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Clearloop is a settlement network where basically institutional actors can uh, actively trade while keeping uh, their balances in wallets separate from the exchange. And uh, these balances can basically get, um, get cred credited or debited only at time of settlement. Now that has very obvious benefits for State Street since our core business really is safeguarding assets. And uh, the benefits are first of all operational, quite simply because, well, if we keep them, um, if we keep them far away from the exchanges, and this is a timely uh, consideration uh, when we look at what happened last week is that Basically, these are um, these are not these will not fail under bankruptcy of any exchange or any fraud or theft or whatever. The other one is, of course, that it's all about 
um, it's, it's all about having, um, and I'll talk about the interoperability part of that, is that ultimately it's, it's, you can see it as a paradox for us to be using a settlement network to trade cryptocurrencies that have native settlement layers. The reason we do that is uh, you can sum it up by having off-chain versus on-chain um, needs, so to say. Um, because basically, well, blockchains are all about immutable and censorship resistance layers or ledgers. Um, and the issue with that is that they're not focusing on having transaction speed, meaning that they're focusing on totally and they're optimizing for totally different features. And that means for us that if you want to do high frequency trading, well, good luck doing that on Ethereum or on Bitcoin. You'll be waiting for block confirmation and finality and you have volatile gas fees. And thus, we basically take that up to another external off-chain layer such as Clearloop to basically um, do all the trades there and ultimately just settle the final moves uh, on the wallets. Um, and the very last point on that is that, um, and I'm not comparing anything, this is, I'm just drawing a parallel because what we like to do at State Suite is learning from what the crypto native industry has been doing for the last few years, way ahead of us, is that for example, you have similar constructs, uh, which we are obviously as product managers, we need to be forward thinking. And you can think of, well, some decentralized exchanges out there without naming any have, for example, volition models where you have ZK rollups that have off-chain data. And that's pretty much a similar construct because you have a trading, uh, you have a you have a trading um, place where people are basically um, having high, close to high frequency trading and very low fees on an off-chain capability, and these get settled through ZK rollups and thus cryptographical proofs and attestations back to the original settlement layer, which is robust and immutable, as I said. So there's a lot of interoperability going on there, and these are definitely things that we are considering at State Suite. Also, when we uh, are basically drawing our own product features and the roadmap and uh, and all that. Yeah. Thank you. Very technical. I won't be as technical, so thank you for that. But um, we see interoperability uh, mainly um, three ways. One is private to private, so core the uh, networks to core the networks. Uh, the, the the central bank of Sweden, who's issuing their e-krona in Korda, they need to transact with a with a, the, the the euro coin and so on. So we see interoperability between Korda and Korda and other private chains. We see interoperability with public chains. So we are investing a lot with the main chains that clients uh, um, needs uh, our regulated uh, clients briefly the history of, of, uh, of R3 is that we are a consortium of banks so we were built by banks for banks um, and therefore uh, a lot of our uh, focus remains that so our prioritization will of course uh, um, between the bridges that we uh, build will be of course prioritized by the, the clients that we have and then more importantly is uh, interoperability with classic systems and I use classic systems on purpose because it's what DTCC calls the, the the classic systems and there's a lot of the processes that DLT will not be touching um, so a lot of the books and records of State Street will stay on the systems that they use and will continue to use but we can wrap those systems around um, around DLT to make the whole process uh, more efficient reduce errors uh, ultimately accelerate settlement and uh, and ensure that that capital can be redeployed faster so we invest three ways in interoperability which is uh, private to private private to public and private to um, to uh, classic systems uh, because that's what people need and regulatory FIs need to uh, be successful in digital assets um, so just 
go leading down the path, I would say more on the on the on the public blockchain side, which is not what we're exclusively focused on. By the way, we can also connect to, to private chains. Um, the question of interoperability uh, isn't so much uh, is a a nice feature to be able to have. We believe that it's absolutely uh, essential. Um, so, just some high-level concepts: uh, blockchains traditionally are built in silos. They contain, uh, many of them, vast amounts of capital, with the majority being locked up on the Ethereum and the Bitcoin chains. Um, and also their communities uh, are also in silos. Um, blockchains also have different use cases. Uh, typically, uh, very good at consensus, terrible at computation. And you touched earlier upon ZK rollups, where you, you take the, the computation out of the layer one blockchain, off chain, and then you can enable uh, the main uh, use on uh, consensus for high throughput uh, calculations is, is also very essential. So if you're a, a corporate business or you're an institution and you're looking to build on top of one chain in particular, uh, that comes with very high risks, uh, as we've seen this year. Terra, for example, I touched upon Solana, nine outages uh, recently. Uh, Ethereum chain and their gas fees continuously going up and down, uh, affecting uh, the, the decentralized applications that are built on top of those chains. So to be able to have interoperability that mitigates, leads you to be able to mitigate a lot of the risks uh, which are, are inherent if you build on one particular chain. And also you can break the capitals and the communities out of those individual silos, allow them to move frictionlessly and freely between chains. And as I said, mitigating the risk being built on top of one particular chain. I uh, fully agree. I think that point of uh, assets not trapped in a particular silo is, is critical. And we are seeing that impetus from regulators across the globe. So uh, for the end user, it needs to be seamless where the assets are incepted. So um, we have across uh, multiple jurisdictions that we need to ensure that whatever solution we put in place has an interoperability angle to it. So EVM uh, to Corda, Corda to others. Uh, it's absolutely critical that the assets are not trapped. If I may hop on what Toby just said, because, and I'll, I'm sorry, I'll bring that back to custody as well, is that if we're talking about interoperability, um, we are facing some of these considerations as well in the sense that our clients are seeking opportunities on different blockchains. It might, might be DeFi, but they're seeking for economic opportunities on different blockchains. And so they come back, they might come back at us and say, hey, I have this wrapped Bitcoin. And by whom is it wrapped? Is it wrapped by Ren? Is it wrapped by Bitco? So these are all things that we need to differentiate also and take into consideration when we're talking about custody and interoperability is ultimately a Bitcoin is not equal a wrapped Bitcoin for us internally in our governance and control process. Bitcoin and wrapped Bitcoin are different, and wrapped Bitcoin by Ren is different by wrapped Bitcoin from wrapped Bitcoin by by Bitco because they have different technological premises. They have different operational risks that are linked to them. Some are KYC and AML enabled, such as wrapped Bitcoin by uh, wrapped Bitcoin by Bitco, and others don't. And so these are obviously things that we need to take into account when we are talking about multi-chain and cross-chain. It's just to understand these different uh, assets before custodying them. Can I, can I just give you a quick use case? Because I, we always talk about high-level concepts, and then we don't get into the weeds on the use case, and sometimes that can help with the light bulb moment. Uh, advising at the moment one of the top three car uh, riding apps in the world, 60 million customers. Sat with them the other day, 
um, quite an intimidating thing. They brought about 40 people into a meeting virtually. And they're saying, we're in talks with Binance at the moment. We're going to build on top of BNB chain. I said, right, okay. So you're going to issue a token on the BNB chain. And the token is going to be used for, we're going to remunerate our drivers, 8 million drivers in the first instance. And we're going to remunerate them with a payment token. And then the payment token can be redeemed for fiat. Also, we're going to build a, you know, an ecosystem out here so that it could be redeemed for kind of uh, vouchers with different food outlets and stuff like that. So they retain a margin on it that goes straight to the, the balance sheet. And some of the drivers won't cash the token out. In telecoms, we would refer to that as breakage. Right? So this is quite a significant amount going directly down to their balance sheet. I said, are you aware that the BNB chain was hacked the other day for the grand sum of $570 million? And they went, yes, we, we've heard. I said, you know what the answer was to the, the security failsafe was to stop the chain operating for eight hours. And they went, right, what does that mean for us? I said, well, that actually means that you wouldn't be able to pay your drivers with your tokens for eight hours. Are you going to have your reliance and your dependency on one particular chain. And it was just, you, you watched it dawn across all these people's faces. They go, no, that's impossible, we can't have that. I said, well, the only answer is interoperability, be that us or Cosmos or Chainlink or anybody else. Tell me what other choices you have. Um, so yeah, that, that was a light bulb moment for them. Thank you, and that actually brings onto an area which I particularly want to just bring up because I've been looking so deeply at the DeFi space over the last couple of years, and now trying to answer the question for Namira, what does, institu what does institutional great tech look like? And specifically Gonzalez, but anyone else, please chime in. Do you think like, you know, from a, from a bank or from an institutional perspective, you know, everybody's building on these permissioned architectures. Do you think there's space to bring in like the innovation of DeFi, like AMM? So not just like a bridge or a tokenization across, you know, across two platforms. Do you think there's a way to start to evolve to bring this evolution I, of these uh, for sure. platforms together? Uh, I think after the last two days, we will see that mm -hmm. look, the creativity is is great, and uh, and we all have uh, lots of interesting concepts and interesting um, uh, new concepts to bring to the financial industry. Um, so, uh, and we always find the crypto industry as a source of um, of uh, um, uh, creativity for mm -hmm. ourselves. So a lot of a lot of our technology has been inspired with the principles of, of crypto and DeFi. Um, again, what this touches on is the governance, and and I think the the financial industry and the regulators and everybody is is quite aware of principles that work. Uh, on the previous panel, we had a great uh, light bulb mo moment that the exchange should not be uh, holding the collateral. Uh, that has been put uh, together by the the principles of FMIs a long time ago by the by, by Basel. So we. The, the industry knows and has principles and has a lot of governance around it. Um, and I think it, sometimes it's just bringing those concepts, tried and tested, mm -hmm. uh, that exist for a reason, um, try to bring them and adapt it to the technology because technology allows us to do a lot of 
new things and better things. So, and that's that's why we are all here because this is exciting. Um, but it allow it needs us to collaborate not only between private side to private side, but a lot of the collaboration is with regulators mm -hmm. as well. And and what I'm finding, sorry, I'll, I'll give a chance for you guys to talk as well. But what we are finding is that the conversations are evolving and we we see a lot of very well prepared people on uh, across um, the, the public and private sectors. Thank you. Dennis, Jeff, anything? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, ultimately, to answer your question, um, the core issue that uh, blockchains are trying to resolve is to propose a universal settlement layer that everyone can use. And so everyone is on the same state of reality. Now, what we've been seeing over the last years, and this basically answers on my behalf, um, if the tech is ready right now, is that over the last few years, we've seen a lot of dry powder um, that has basically financed and funded lots of different initiatives across the industry. And so you have some consortiums that are on one uh, blockchain layer, you have others that are on another, and so liquidity is fragmented again, and we've gone against what blockchains are trying to solve. So um, that is uh, my my uh, own opinion on uh, on how, how the tech looks like today. It's um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in us using um, a, a common settlement layer um, with, of course, permissioned or permissionless um, substrates and side chains and whatever you want to call them. But ultimately, uh, if we want to uh, benefit of the full advantages of this uh, technology, we will need to um, uh, settle on well, it's a settle on one settlement layer. Yeah, which is almost the argument you've been making for. Why your company exists, right? <laughs> yeah, I think there's I think there's a point that we we still haven't yet got to grips or identified yet, which is the point at which decentralization meets centralization. And if you look at it as a sliding scale, um, I think you lose a lot of the benefit from having an entirely centralized private blockchain. It then sometimes begs the question that you just have a database. Um, Go. Hand up. Uh, your, I, I get your point, and I think it depends on the use case. You're absolutely right. Um, but I, uh, for, for a lot of the regulated FIs, uh, we, the, the, layer, the governance layer is critical. And, um, and, and that's where I think uh, there's space for everything. And there's peer-to-peer -peer trading that is very, very important. There's DeFi concepts that we need to bring in. But a lot of the regulated financial institutions need that uh, permissioned and private layer that I'm sure there's different ways of achieving it um, and we need to integrate with those solutions as well but um, I'll let you continue you, you know I can't, you've, 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 I couldn't actually agree anymore and I think that plays straight back into the point of centralization meeting decentralization and then fine-tuning what that exact scale is and that balance and I think there's still a lot of push and pull I think there will be more a lot more mistakes will be made <clears throat> before we can find that right balance. Um, and I, I think that's probably what next year is going to be about. Um, and it's quite exciting, really. Thank you. I couldn't have summed that up any better. I think we can end on that note, unless anyone has any questions they want to ask the, the group.